Thank you. You may be seated. If you have a Bible, you want to open it up to the book of Proverbs. We will be in chapter 1, starting in verse 20. If you do not have a Bible, you can raise your hand, and our ushers will give you one you can use. If you don't own one, please keep it and read it and apply it to your life. Um, if you do own one and you just need to borrow one for today, you can leave it in your seat when you're done, and we will pick it up later. The book of Proverbs chapter 1, we'll be starting in verse 20. We'll be looking at starting in verse 20 and then all the way through chapter 2, but we're just going to read the first several verses of chapter 2 when we read here at the beginning. So Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 20. Wisdom calls out in the street. She makes her voice heard in the public squares. She cries out above the commotion. She speaks at the entrance of the city gates. How long, inexperienced ones... Will you love ignorance? How long will you mockers enjoy mocking and you fools hate knowledge? If you respond to my warning, then I will pour out my spirit on you and teach you my words. Since I called out and you refused, extended my hand and no one paid attention, since you neglected all my counsel and did not accept my correction, I in turn will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when trouble and stress overcome you. Then they will call me, but I won't answer. They will search for me, but won't find me. Because they hated knowledge, didn't choose to fear the Lord, were not interested in my counsel, and rejected all my correction. They will eat the fruit of their way and be glutted with their own schemes, For the apostasy of the inexperienced will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live securely and be undisturbed by the dread of danger. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding, furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your choice to understanding, if you seek it like silver, And search for it like hidden treasure. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. This is the word of God. If you have not been with us the last few weeks, we are in Proverbs. Shocker, if you didn't catch on to that. We have started a series. This is only our third sermon in Proverbs, so you're not that far behind. Um, Back in the first seven verses, particularly verse seven, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And we talked about how that's just a key verse to understanding all of Proverbs. The truth is chapters 1 through 9 really set up chapters 10 through 31. And chapters 10 through 31 is where you get lots of lists of Proverbs, these wise sayings. Some of you may know them, you may have them hanging up in your house. That's all good, not mocking you or anything like that. It's all good. But if we don't get these lessons that are being taught to us in chapters 1 through 9, we'll never understand the whole list of Proverbs on the back half of the book. Knowledge. So coming back to that, chapter 1, verse 7, it tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We must first fear the Lord for these things to make sense to us at all. Because today we get kind of an odd piece. But I've actually titled today's message, Wisdom Calling. Wisdom calling. And the truth is, it's because we all need wisdom. And that may sound like such a simple thing, and you're like, really? You you brought us in here today on a holiday weekend to tell us that we need wisdom. And the truth is, maybe this week you need to be reminded more than ever. Because let me tell you some unwise things I've seen at family gatherings before. 
You get that one cousin who comes in and thinks he knows everything and walks up to your female cousin and rubs her belly and says, oh, somebody's expecting. Y'all already know where this is going. She's not expecting. It's just been a hard year, right? He was unwise in saying anything at all, much less reaching out and touching her stomach. Wrath fell upon him quickly. <laughs> As it will us if we are not wise. Y'all, wisdom is practical today and also has impact eternally. Wisdom calls to us in this passage, specifically what we read. Um, if you look at chapter 1, verses 20 through 33, we're introduced to a character who will come up throughout the book of Proverbs. This is, in fact, Lady Wisdom. And if that's odd to you, it's, it's right there in the text. Verse 20 says, Wisdom calls out in the street. She makes her voice heard in the public square. She cries out above the commotion. She speaks at the entrance of the city gates. Now, this is the personification of wisdom. It's not saying wisdom is actually a woman walking around. The writer here is using this idea of wisdom as a lady because wisdom is kind of an abstract term for us. It's just kind of up here in our heads. But if you start to describe wisdom as a person, then we can begin to connect with the idea of wisdom and even get to know wisdom. Does that make sense? If you read, you've probably seen personification in other forms of literature. This is not unique to the Bible. But here we have Lady Wisdom. There will be a lot more on her in chapters 8 and 9 when we get there. But this is where she's first introduced. This is where she first speaks. And what's she doing? She's basically being a street preacher. Or at least she's yelling at folks and heckling them in the street. It says it right there in the book, y'all. Calls out in the street. She makes her voice heard in the public squares. She cries out above the commotion. She speaks at the entrance of the city gates. I guess today our public square is more like social media or something. So she's the person who says things in all caps and is trying to get your attention. And just says crazy stuff that's really, really catching your attention. But why personify wisdom in this way? The truth is that this is just a literary personification when wisdom has been personified in actuality for us. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You see, here in Proverbs we find wisdom personified literarily. This is just kind of a device to, that we can understand wisdom. But the truth is that Jesus, the real person, the living Son of God, who is currently at the right hand of the Father, interceding for the saints, acting as mediator, is the embodiment and the fulfillment of all the wisdom of the Bible, including all the wisdom here in Proverbs, all of Solomon's wisdom. Scripture even tells us that he is greater than Solomon. So when we talk about this being personified, some of y'all are looking at this way too much, and you're like, but this is wisdom's a girl, so is Jesus a girl? Like, you're way overstretching it here. All right, in Proverbs, I'm about lady wisdom. Jesus goes on to a larger fulfillment that's an actual fulfillment, okay? Don't, don't, don't get too confused and down in the weeds there. But here we find this idea of lady wisdom calling to us. Isn't that Similar, though, to if Jesus is the personification of wisdom, him calling to us. If you're here today and you're not so sure about Jesus, or if you're here today and you do know about Jesus, I need to remind you that he is calling to you. He is calling for you to come back to him. Yes, he knows that you are a mess. He knows that your life is a wreck, and you can try to hide it all you want with your Instagram filters and your nice clothes. He knows 
and he loves us anyway. And he seeks after us and calls to us. I love the song we just sang, I called, you answer. But I think that's definitely in the framework of after he has called us. He calls us and says, respond. And here we see Lady Wisdom doing the same thing, calling to each of us to be wise. Verse 22 says, How long, inexperienced ones, will you love ignorance? How long will you mockers enjoy mocking and fools hate knowledge? Now, as she's going to progress here in 22 through 31, we're going to see that wisdom is urgently needed. It is immediately needed. Notice what she says in verse 23. If you respond to my warning, then I will pour out my spirit on you and teach you my words. That sounds a lot like Joel 2.28 and Acts 2.17. If you don't know what happens in Acts chapter 2, it's after Jesus, his life, death, burial, and resurrection. He is ascending to the right hand of the Father. He sends out the church, and the church goes out, and they begin to proclaim. And in Acts chapter 2, thousands of people come to know the Lord because the Spirit descends upon the church. It's really a great passage. We did get to preach through Acts, so some of you were here then, but I know some of you, this is your first time. That's cool, too. We're glad you're here. Acts 2, the Spirit of God descends among the people fulfilling Joel 2.28, and they even quote Joel 2.28, and it sounds a lot like verse 23, I will pour out my spirit on you and teach you my words. But notice as, as Lady Wisdom continues, since I called out and you refused, extended my hand and no one paid attention, since you neglected all my counsel and did not accept my correction, I in turn will laugh at your calamity. Now some of y'all are like, Lady Wisdom's mean. No, Lady Wisdom is urgent and is showing us the need to respond now. I, in turn, will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when trouble and stress overcome you, they will call me, but I won't answer. They will search for me, but won't find me because they hated knowledge, didn't choose to fear the Lord, were not interested in my counsel, and rejected all my correction. They will eat the fruit of their way and be glutted with their own schemes. Yikes! Yo, that's some tough reading. But let me put this kind of in plain terms for you, because you're like, so is there a time when we can't receive wisdom anymore? Yes. Your moment of salvation is now, folks. Right now. The time is coming when it will be too late. But this applies practically as well, and we know this about wisdom. In school, were you not the person who didn't study as much as you should, but then you're praying right before that test? Lord, if you'll just give me a passing grade, I will give you my whole life. I'm just, I'm getting way too many amens, so I'm just going to call for an invitation. If you said that, you better give him your life right now. <laughs> okay. It's too late at that point, right? You didn't study. You didn't do the wise thing. You don't just wisdom today so you'll have it when you want it. You need to receive wisdom today so you'll have it in that day of need. When the storm comes upon you, it's too late. Something we don't like talking about in church these days is judgment. And often throughout Scripture, we find judgment as a theme that is coming quickly. More quickly than we care to admit. I've heard a lot of people in my ministry, and this is, I've, I initially heard this as a younger person, it's something that people theoretically said, and since I've been a pastor for eight-ish years, I've heard people say this to me. I'll say, well, you know, I have no problem with Christianity, I have no problem with Jesus, I'm, I'm going to get things right with him one day. 
first I'm going to figure things my way a little bit. I've got some plans. I've got some things I want to do. And one day, probably like on my deathbed or before I die, I'll make sure things are right with Jesus so that eternity's set. And I'm here to tell you today, if that is you, repent now. We have no guarantee of that. Very few of us will be that aware on our deathbed. And I know y'all are like, man, we're talking like jokes and stuff, and now you're talking life and death. The gospel is life and death, y'all. And Lady Wisdom here calling out before Christ comes incarnate is calling us to a life that matters now. Even if on your deathbed you are aware and able to repent and believe in Jesus, then you know what you'll do? You'll realize that you've wasted your life. Don't waste your life. Today, receive wisdom by trusting in Christ, the true personification of wisdom. Turn to him, receive him. He's calling to you, he's coming to you, he wants you to come to him. We were talking in Huddle earlier that that the gospel is not clean yourself up and come to Jesus, it's come to Jesus with all your mess. He loves us just the way we are, but he loves us so much that he won't even leave us that way. He will be the one to clean us up. He will be the one to take us with all of our baggage and help us remove it and take those burdens off of us. Come to him while you still can. Verses 32 through 33, we get this kind of closing part for Lady Wisdom, but then we're going to get some words from a father to a son that's also appealing to listen to Lady Wisdom. So verses 32 and 33, it says, For the apostasy of the inexperienced will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Apostasy there is rejecting religion, rejecting Christ. Complacency, our laziness, our lackadaisicalness. I don't know if that's a word, but it is now. That just screams American church to me, y'all. We have no urgency. We have no passion. We claim that it's passion because we raise our hands when the kick drum starts. But I wonder why when we're shouting out things that are true, our hands aren't up. This is talking to us. Verse 33 is good news, though. We had the bad news, now we have good news. But whoever listens to me will live securely and be undisturbed by the dread of danger. Listen to Lady Wisdom. Listen more to the true personification of wisdom in Jesus Christ. You see, in this first section, we find wisdom called, and in the next section, we find that wisdom is worth answering. Wisdom is worth answering. It says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, Lady Wisdom has stopped speaking, by the way. We're back to this idea of a father speaking to a child listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding. Furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. I want to draw your eyes to just verse 4. This idea, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure. Do you see Jesus as that way? Do you see the wisdom of the Lord as that way? Do you see the gospel as something to be sought after, to be valued, something that is of worth in itself? We often, or I've, I've often been reminding people, trying to remind people here that when we come to church, even if we don't feel like being here, even if we don't feel like singing, do you know why we still sing praises? 
It's because Jesus is worthy of praise whether I feel like it or not. He in himself has immeasurable worth, but worth that we see, worth that we treasure. And I wonder if you're here today and you call yourself a Christian, do you treasure Christ? Is he something you see as valuable, as as worth more than all the things you have? For just a moment, think of the most valuable possession that you have. What is the most valuable thing that you claim to your name? Do you see Christ as more valuable than that thing? We should. And here we have the Father telling the Son to come after wisdom like that. Again, if we're saying that Jesus is wisdom, are we treasuring him? Are we seeing that he has worth? Matthew 13, 44, one of my all-time favorite Bible verses, says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Is that what it was like for you to come to Christ? Did you realize that everything else didn't matter anymore? If you haven't done that, if he is not your supreme joy, if he is not your treasure, then I wonder if you've submitted to him as Savior and Lord. I wonder if you've really come to him yet. Because you can today. You can find the value in him here today. Verse 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. This verse struck me in preparation. I almost just ditched the rest of the passage and we were just going to talk about this verse, so I'm going to try to not talk about it for too long. If y'all are looking at it like, how on earth? This verse struck me. It did not struck me like this before. For the Lord gives wisdom. Wisdom, this gracious gift from God. And don't we often reject it? Don't we say no? And what is God's greatest gift if not his son? Jesus. Whom he gives up for us. Who he sends to live the life we should have, to die the death that we deserve, taking on our sin in our place, taking God's punishment for us. He died on that cross and he was buried, but that he's been raised again to the newness of life, to victorious resurrection, to hope in the face of sin and death. And God gives us this as a gift. And would we say no? Who do we think we are? God, the creator, who sustains all things by the power of his will, welcomes us, sinners who rebel against him, in kindly, like a father loving a child. And we have the audacity to say, no, we don't want your wisdom. We don't want your son. We don't want life with meaning. Maybe we haven't counted the cost. Maybe we haven't actually considered. That must be what it is. For the Lord gives wisdom. Notice what it says. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Again, this idea of knowledge and understanding coming from God. I I got that before. That wasn't a new revelation for me reading this. If that's new for you, praise the Lord. But this idea of from his mouth. What's that telling us? From his word. If you didn't know, in John chapter 1... Jesus is also called the Word. So we're further getting pointed to Jesus. But also, this does apply to the Word of God. 
If today you couldn't sing the song, I called you answered, because you say, God doesn't answer me. Maybe that's been you before. Maybe you've prayed. And you said, I don't feel like God hears my prayers. I don't feel like he answers my prayers. I need you to know that God has written us an entire book, a book of books, as it were. Do you read it? Do you listen to it? I know, because I, I say do you listen to it, because I get a lot of people like, I don't, I don't read much. First of all, that's a pretty bold thing to say when we say that God himself gave us a book. But, if I were to be gracious with you and give you a pass, I would say in our day and age, in 2019, almost 2020, you can listen to the whole thing. Y'all, they got James Earl Jones reading this thing in King James Version. <laughs> this is the Word of God, spoken beautifully. And we're like, we don't have time for that. Meanwhile, we're catching up on all our Netflix shows, and now Disney Plus too, and we got podcasts that we're keeping up with, but we don't have time for the Word of God. The Lord graciously gives us wisdom from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. Will we run to Him and delight in Him and delight in His Word? I hope you will. Whatever you feel like your stance is with God, I hope you know that today you can come to Him and delight in His Word and delight in Him because of who Jesus is and what He's done. Listen to verses Uh, starting in verse 7 it says he stores up success for the upright he's a shield for those who live with integrity so that he may guard the path of justice and protect the way of his faithful followers then you will understand righteousness justice and integrity every good path for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will delight you discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you yes i was intentionally emphasizing will because these are promises It's not like maybe if you come to God, maybe if you come to Jesus, you'll you'll have some supernatural wisdom. Maybe he'll take care of you. Maybe he'll watch over you. When it says success, by the way, there, a good way to translate that is actually resourcefulness, not success in how we measure it. But all this is promising us that God will take care of us. I I often hear people say, well, I'm, I'm not sure what to ask God because I feel like I'm asking for things that maybe he doesn't promise me. James 1, 5 says he promises he's gonna give us wisdom. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Oh, that's awesome. Who wouldn't want this? Who here today is sitting there saying, well, yeah, but y'all got a lot of other baggage that goes on with Christianity. I don't want this. I'm not talking about the baggage of Christianity or American culture or anything like that. I'm talking about the creator God who's inviting you in a relationship with him, which does mean you'll have brothers and sisters in Christ. You'll be part of a family. Here we often say we're not like a family. We we are a family. And we say that as theological truth, that we've been made brothers and sisters in Christ. But oftentimes we don't choose him. Even those of us in this room who know him, oftentimes we live as though we don't. this last part of chapter 2, I hope you see that wisdom is the way. Wisdom is the way. Starting in verse 12, it says, It will rescue you from the way of evil, from anyone who says perverse things, from those who abandon the right path to walk in ways of darkness, from those who enjoy doing evil and celebrate perversion, whose paths are crooked and whose ways are devious. Here the writer is showing us an opposite way. 
and saying, if we follow the ways of wisdom, people around me who are, who are leading me to do bad things and I can't get away. Yes, you can. In Jesus, you can because you're made part of a new family and you have new people around you. This church will embrace you. We welcome you here. We don't care what your past is. We're worried about where you are and where you're going. God will keep us from people who may be around us as bad influences, from circumstances that may be around us as bad influences. God will keep us. In verses 16 through 19, we're introduced to another character who's going to come up again in Proverbs. It says, it will rescue you from a forbidden woman. Your translation may say an adulterous woman. From a wayward woman with her flattering talk who abandons the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her ways to the land of the departed spirits. None return who go to her. None reach the paths of life. So again, we're saying wisdom is the way. It's not this opposite way. And here, the writer begins to talk about this adulterous woman who's going to be mentioned throughout Scripture. Now, I need you to hear, first of all, if you are an adulterer, which Jesus says we all are if we've had lust in our hearts, there is grace for us at the cross. Now, what's happening here, though, is the writer is again using a literary device, just showing us a contrast to lady wisdom. Okay, again, we'll see them interact more later on. But here you have this idea of a woman who's enticing us and pulling us away from God, pulling us to things that we know better than to go after. But notice again what verse 16 said, it will rescue you. Wisdom will rescue you. And if Jesus is wisdom, then Jesus will rescue you. Verses 20 through 22 give us a very hopeful end to all of this. That some of this may have been back and forth for you. You may have been saying, man, some of this sounded good. Some of this sounded really rough. If you're in here today and you're questioning the Bible, you're probably still staring at some of these verses that you're like, what's going to happen if I don't? It's okay. Clue in to verses 20 through 22 while we wrap up here. It says, so follow the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land. And those of integrity will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous ripped out of it. Here, the writer is speaking to the people of Israel who had their promised land from God. And for us, what this means is talking about a secure place with God. One day, we're just going to be spirit. I think this is just an important time to remind you that Christians don't believe that one day we're just going to be spirits floating around and like, there's some kind of bliss happening. We believe we will live in a physical, tangible, new heavens and new earth with God. Not near God, not God's where we can see Him. We will look into His face. He will wipe tears from our eyes. And we will live in a physical existence with Him. Our hope is secure in Jesus. And our hearts are secure in the hand of God. Notice again what it says in verse 21. The upright will inhabit the land, and those of integrity will remain in it. Not might remain, not could remain. Well, that's really good news, because if you just read verse 20, so follow the way of the good and keep to the path of the righteous, that would be really bad news. If you leave here today and say, man, I just need to do better, and I just need to be more wise, what a great service that was. No, you missed everything because you're never going to make it. 
We can't do it on our own. Today's point of the message is not be better. It's that Jesus has been better. Jesus lived as we should in our place. So when he calls us to be righteous, he calls us to take up our cross and follow him. He calls us to do things that his spirit enables us to do. Not that we can do on our own. But now we can follow him. Because if this is telling us that wisdom is the way, then we know that Jesus is the way, because that's exactly what he said in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you're here and you say, man, that's so exclusive, these Christians are so closed-minded here, is it any less closed-minded to say that you just know the one right way to think about all religions? I don't think it is. So we're both narrow in our own ways, The truth is, I've found hope and joy and peace in Jesus that I don't think can be found anywhere else. And the invitation today is to come to him as he calls to you. The truth is, even for those of us here who are Christians, that's the same invitation. A lot of times in sermon prep, I overthink. Just letting you all behind the curtain a little bit. I overthink. try to think about applications of the helpful text, and I try to think about you know, how are we going to call people to respond? What are the different ways to respond? I think all that's really helpful and can make for some great sermons. But the more I dug into this passage and the more I sat with it and prayed and meditated on it and read other resources, the more I realized this is definitely a passage just calling us back to simple truth. Because isn't that what we usually miss? It's almost like y'all are waiting for me to give you more instructions so that we can focus on those because we're already missing the core things. Like remembering that We can come to Jesus if we've been laboring and if we're heavy laden. We can come to him for rest. We can come to him and find joy again. We can come to him if we have sinned this week and find forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Will you admit to God that you're a sinner? You turn away from that sin and turn to Christ once again. That word repent, that's what it means, to turn. You're turning away from sin and turning to Christ. Will you put your faith in Jesus today? That means you trust totally in who he is and what he's done in his life, death, and resurrection for salvation. We sang it earlier. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word. Just to rest upon his promise. Just to know, thus saith the Lord. Is that true for you in your heart? Do you find the sweetness of trusting in Jesus? Do you find that there really is practical wisdom for your day-to-day life if you are living to glorify him with everything that you do? This week, if you're with family or friends, will you go and say, well, I just really want to watch this football game and I really want to eat this one side that my aunt makes? Like, those are all good things, but they're not the most important thing. Will you go with friends and family this week and say, I exist to glorify God. My delight is in Jesus and I want to make him known in the way that I love my friends and I love my family. The things that I say to them, the actions that I do to serve them. It takes wisdom takes wisdom 
to not walk up to any lady and rub her belly. Everyone in the room, men and ladies, if you're not sure if someone's pregnant, you don't say a word. Okay? That's some real practical wisdom for you right there. Wisdom is calling. And Jesus is calling. And it's more than just light jokes, and it's more than just an illustration, and it's more than just a literary device. Jesus is the wisdom of God. And it shows us that the way of God is gracious and kind and good and just. Will you trust in Jesus today? If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ, I pray that as we sing in just a moment, you'll go back here to the next step station. We'll have somebody back there to pray with you. We are not going to force you to do anything, but we would love to talk to you and to pray with you. And if you're here and you are a believer, will you also respond today? You can respond in your singing and praising the Lord in light of his word, who he is and what he's done in Jesus. You can respond by also going back to the next steps table and having someone pray with you. Maybe a brother or sister near you needs prayer. During this song, you can walk around and go pray with them. You don't have to just stand in your seat. This is a time to respond to the word of God. And I pray that you will do that as we sing in just a moment.